Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right, hey guys, this is a, an episode of Yolitics we did not expect, but it has a pretty good story, and, and this is um, this is something we've never done before. After we put out our last podcast, it was with a former state representative, Eric Johnson, who's now the mayor of Dallas. We titled that podcast. Uh, Jason, what did we title that podcast? Uh, the bill the, that was killed before the, or no, the bill that died before the power did. That's right. That was a good title. It was your title. Um, but uh, if you haven't heard that podcast before you listen to this one, listen to that one because our guest on this podcast listened to it. And, and he sent me a message and said, hey, Jason, Whiteley, what the hell? Why, why, why didn't you have me on, man? I know all about this. And our guest right now is Ron Simmons. He's a former state rep who represented Carrollton, a Republican from North Texas. And he is on the line with us. Ron, it's good to see you again, my friend. Oh, good to see you, Jason. Good to see you too, Jason. Everybody. <laughs> good to see so you too. <laughs> we're, all, uh, we're all good. We're I'm, glad to, I'm glad to do this. So, so let's talk about it here. You, you heard the podcast. Um, wh- what was your first reaction to it? Because I'm sure that you were impacted like everyone when the uh, the lights went out. Yeah, we lost uh, power for about 40 hours and uh, still waiting on the damage assessment for the pool, you know, and what have mm. you. But we were fortunate uh, as it compared to a lot of people. And there's still a lot of people suffering, as you know. Uh, but when I, when I heard the podcast and I'd seen some tweets about it before, the first thing I thought about was, I don't know that that's exactly how things, you know, went down. Uh, although I thought the video was was pretty good. I had forgotten about the video, uh, which, you know, this day and time, anything you say or do or whatever is going to be caught up somewhere. And I just felt like, uh, you know, maybe there's some there's 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 a bigger part of the story to tell. And I listen, I love Eric Johnson. Eric and I worked well together. He's a good guy. And he is he is trying his darndest for the city of Dallas. No question about that. I'm proud of he has got a wonderful family and uh, we disagreed on a lot of things, but we always did it with gentlemanly fashion. So, Ron, you talk about the video and we referenced that in in the first part here. Now that we're in the sequel, let's play the video again. And for you at home, we're watching this uh, on Zoom right now. This is when they started to take the vote on then Representative Johnson's bill that would have required uh, different state agencies, including the Public Utility Commission, to have a plan for extreme weather. And uh, at the last minute, uh, the, the bill went off the rails here. Uh, let's let, let's and, watch that. Actually, b- before we play, Jason, j- just to add to what you said here about the representative's bill, it, the, the hope was, Johnson's hope was, if this passed, then at least the Public Utility Commission, which oversees ERCOT, would would have some idea of what what might be coming down the road weather wise, and you know, could they have predicted what happened? Uh, you know, the week of February fourteenth in Texas. Who knows? But he hoped that at least his bill might have been a foundation block to start that. But but here's the video. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This um, bill takes a climatology report from the state climatologist and gives it to certain state agencies so that they can use it in their two year strategic planning. 
question occurs on final passage, HB 2571. Members of record vote. Chair recognizes Mr. S Chair recognizes Mr. Simmons to speak against. And uh, all due respect to Representative Johnson, I apologize for this. The caucus uh, made a mistake on their sheet. The policy committee voted to oppose this bill. Vote as you as you would like, but we did vote to oppose this bill. Thank you. Members, the question occurs on final passage, HB 2571. This is a record vote. Clerk will please ring the bell. Okay, Ms. Giddings voting aye. Mr. Simmons voting no. Mr. Johnson voting aye. Have all voted. There being 47 ayes, 84 nays, HB 2571 fails to pass. And so that's kind of a, a look at how these things play out. If you've never watched the uh, sausage get made down there in Austin, that's kind of how it works. But here's my question for you, Representative Simmons. Um, how did this pass committee and get to the third reading, which is the final level that any piece of legislation gets to before anybody said, uh, whoa, we, we shouldn't have let it get this far? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Before I get to that, there's two things I noticed on that video that I hadn't noticed before this time. One, uh, the person in the dais, Representative Kempel, and I are both wearing purple. So I know it was Thursday because we had, I instituted Purple Thursday so that <laughs> red and blue together makes purple so we'd get along better. I noticed my good friend Eric was not wearing purple. So that probably had something to do with it. No, not really. But, uh, but so he did have I, his arm, he did have his arm on your shoulder well, though while you were talking there, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And when I put my fingers up as a two, you know, in, in the house, if you're not at your desk, you put up a one for yes and two for no. And the speak, the person on on the dais will recognize you. So when I put up my two, you notice he put his finger as a one beside it. That made me look like a three, which means you were not voting at all on it. So, <laughs> uh, so we were we were good friends. This was a serious bill, no question about it. Eric filed this with all of the greatest intent. What happened was is that it came before a committee with a Democrat chair, Rafael Anchia. Now, we did have a majority of Republicans on that committee. I wasn't in that committee here, and so I don't know what happened. Um, a lot of times what will happen is that a, a, a member will say, hey, just help me get this out of committee, right? Just help me get it out of committee. And, you know, a lot of us will vote for that and then take a harder look at it. We should do a better job of looking at bills in committee and not, you know, not blogging, you know, bogging up the calendar. But this one got to calendars. Uh, chairman Hunter was the chairman of calendars at the time. And again, I wasn't on calendars. Don't know how it got out of calendars onto the floor. But when I looked at it, what happens in bills when they leave a committee and they go to calendars, okay, the calendars committee, which controls the floor, is those bills can be held in calendars for a maximum of three weeks. Mm -hmm. And what happened on this one is I looked at the time frame, the three weeks had kind of run out and we couldn't put any more holds on it. And so it got to the floor. And this was in, I think this was in middle of May or sometime like that, uh, early May. I'm not exactly sure what date it was. I'd have to go back and look. And so when the when it gets to the, the first time it's read, it goes to committee. The second time it's read on the House floor, in many, many of the bills, there's not a record vote on the second reading. 
And this is one of those bills. So when, when Mayor Johnson spoke to you all the other day and he said it passed second reading, he forgot to mention that it was one of those that nobody called for a record vote. And again, anybody could have called for a record vote. Uh, I could have, anybody could have, and for whatever reason we didn't. So when that happens, it's just pass, move on, because you, you know you have to have a record on third vote. So I was chairman of the Republican Policy Committee at the time of our caucus. And what we would do is we would look at every bill that was coming to the floor. There was about 10 of us on the committee from all around the state, representatives. We would look at every bill coming to the floor. And we some of the bills we wouldn't, we wouldn't make any recommendation on it at all. People just whatever. Some we would vote, some we would recommend against and some we would recommend for. Mm -hmm. And this bill got left off our initial recommendation and mm -hmm. we were against the bill somehow, just a typographical, a clerical, maybe an error on my part, not telling our administrator. And so when it, when it came down to the floor that morning, when it came down to the floor that morning, uh, a member came over to me and said, hey, I think we oppose this bill, but I don't see it on the list. You notice I had a red sheet in my hand. We passed out red sheets to all the Republican members of where we were. And so I felt it was my obligation, even though, honestly, as a friend, I really hated to do it because it's very unusual. You, it usually would not happen. And Eric was right about that last night. That's very unusual. But it was my obligation as chairman of the caucus uh, the policy committee for the caucus to go down there and note our position. Now, you'll also note that I said, this is our position on it, but vote as you will. And that's, mm -hmm. that was me not, I didn't argue, you know, make strong points against it because I felt bad about it. But the bill, in our opinion, Jason, didn't, didn't really do anything. Uh, it was a it was kind of a study bill that uh, climatologist report was already being done. Uh, would it have hurt anything? Hindsight wouldn't have hurt anything. Also, as Eric mentioned on your podcast, it wouldn't have mandated anything other than looking at the report. Some of the tweets that had been coming out have said, oh, it would have mandated weatherization. Well, mm -hmm. as you all know, it wouldn't have done that. Uh, yeah. But maybe it would have let people look at it a little bit, a little bit better. So that's kind of, that's the process of, of how that's made and, and how it happens. But wouldn't it have created at least uh, the, the need for, you know, let's say, a public utility commission to 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 tell providers out there, to tell generators like, hey, you need to have a plan based upon what we see in the climate report? Well, yes, it might would have. That climate report was available. But in 2011, uh, then Senator Hager and now Comptroller Hager had a bill that specifically told them to do that. Now, we didn't have enough teeth and penalties in it as as Comptroller Hager would tell you, and they still didn't get that. They still did not get that done. So, it, I, I, again, it wouldn't have hurt to pass that bill. Um, as we look back on it, probably wouldn't have hurt anything. It wasn't something that the caucus thought uh, was critical for us, and therefore we we went against the bill. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, Jason, if you read that climatologist report, the Texas A&M climatologist. And he, look, he looks at the period from 2018 to 2036. That's his projection. You know what it actually says, which is ironic. Yeah, I, I actually see it in front of me right now, but I know where you're going here. There will be less severe winter events. So yeah. if they would have read that, they probably they would have done less, maybe. Well, well, they were spe speaking specifically about winter in there. It did say that based upon, you know, history, 
extreme wintertime temperatures would actually increase by 3.3 degrees by 2036 is what the report says here. Uh, of course, you know, uh, we all know, you know, what weather forecasts are. And, and so when yeah. you start talking about a climatology forecast, you know that there's a lot of uh, variables in there that we just can't account for. Yeah. I'm curious, just looking back, you know, I know 2020 hindsight's 2020 always, and especially in light of what we've just been through here in Texas, do you ever I mean, I don't know how it is when you've you know been a legislator and, and, and years later, do you ever wish you had some of them back? Do you ever wish you had oh, some yeah. of those bills back? Do you wish is there is there a thought here like, you know, maybe, uh, you know, instead of just you know opposing that, we should have said, hey, let's put some teeth in this and make it better. Do you, no, yeah, do you I, think, I about think that? that I think where we failed all of us, I wasn't there in 2011. So I think that bill did what they thought it was. They did it with the best intentions at all. But once we realized that the uh, they weren't going to follow through with the, the bill that Hager passed in 2011, that would have required uh, it gave incentives for winterization and all that. We should have gone back. No question about it. And put teeth into that and mandated them to do the things that they should have done and were reasonable. And we should have allowed the PUC more teeth to penalize ERCOT. See, ERCOT doesn't report to the legislature. The mm -hmm. PUC reports to the legislature. And so we have to manage ERCOT through the PUC. And I think the PUC has made a reasonable argument. Now, did they make mistakes? Yeah. But I think that we didn't give them as many tools and that's going to change. My colleagues, former colleagues are going to change that. And I know, I know that Eric, uh, Eric would agree with that. But yeah, you always have you know, what ifs and whatever. There's no question. You you know, we there's 4,000 bills. I'll never forget when Speaker Strauss told me, Ron, the good news is, the bad news is there's a lot of bills that are filed. The good news is damn few pass. And really in Texas, it's set up to where you don't pass a lot of bills. And um, sometimes we actually go over and we miss some good bills. There's no question about that. Well, Ron, as a former state representative, you're, you're not as, you know, tied to politics these days. What are some bills that you think should be passed right now with this opportunity that lawmakers have? Well, another thing people can go look at if they want to is they can go look at a letter that I wrote to the PUC in late 17, early 18, that said, look, I'm really concerned about you lowering the capacity margins. We need to keep an excess capacity. It wouldn't have totally solved the problem. Explain what that is, a capa yeah. excess capacity of electricity. Explain what that is so our listeners will understand. Sure. That. So what, what happens is ERCOT and all the experts are projecting what we need on a day-to-day -day basis as electricity, okay? And they can look at history. You wouldn't have ever guessed last week's event, but in a normal situation, we need X number of megawatts. Well, there's always an excess capacity just in case a plant goes offline or something that we want to maintain as available. And it used to be in the 20% range. They've taken that down now down to about 9%. Now, we save money by that, but it also puts us at more risk. I think we ought to go back up to the 20% or so range. It'll cost you and I a few more dollars a month, but I promise you, if you surveyed all of Texas, they would say, please do that. So that's one thing they absolutely should do. The other So basically thing, we've been having less cushion there. Yeah, no question. We've us. had less cushion, Jason. Exactly right. And we don't need to have that. We could that would have solved some of our some of our problems. The other thing I agree that we do need to do some winterization on all of these. No question about that. We have to be able to do that. Um, 
And, and then we have to look at how, you know, when, from what I understand, the, 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 gas, the natural gas price was at about $1,200 per unit, okay? And then they were a little concerned. We had a cap at $4,500, then they raised it to $9,000. Well, as soon as they raised it to $9,000, everything went to $9,000. And I'm not sure it needed to. I don't know that they had their algorithms correct on that. I'm not 100% sure, but I've heard that from a couple of people that I, that I respect, um, and then, of course, I'm not sure variable rate plans for residents are the right thing to even have as an option. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people have the right to lose their money if they want to. But when you're talking about a regulated industry that we all need to have, and in, at the end of the day, it says deregulation, but there's a lot of regulation around it. I'm not so sure that we shouldn't protect the consumer a little bit more in that arena. Yeah, I think it's rich. I've said this. I think it's rich that the state is now investigating those plans. And it's like, you're investigating them now after the fact. I mean, this this was all set up. It wasn't a secret. The state knew about this. Yeah, no question. A lot of and a lot of times you would pay less money. But when you have a situation like we had in the summer, you can have these in the summer. I mean, I'll tell you, the first thing that I did after I kind of got my bearing straight is I went online to make sure I had a a a fixed rate plan. I would, I I thought I would have it, but I just wanted to make sure that I hadn't signed up for something I didn't know. Uh, And so automatically got kicked on to one of those variable rate plans because you failed to renew renew your plan. So a lot of people found out the hard way that they were on one of those. But I think we're asking the right questions. And uh, I really do believe that there's going to be some significant action taken. Uh, I, I think that Chairman Goldman and Chairman Patty and Chairman Hancock are doing a good job. Uh, last time I checked, they were still going. It may be over by now, but they were still going at it. So I, I, I think that they, I think that they'll do that, and they absolutely should do that. The PUC, uh, you know, it, it tell what it tells them is they have to really, really stay on top of this type of thing because consumers were really taken advantage of last week. Ron, before we let you go, should the uh, Public Utility Commission seats, should those be elected positions statewide? Because right now they're they're not elected. They don't really answer to anybody, like you said earlier in this podcast. Yeah. Personally, I'm always in favor of having those types of positions elected, just like I'm in favor of having the local tax assessor elected. I think those are important positions and having them elected. Nothing against Governor Abbott at all. I think he does a fine right. job of appointing people. Uh, but I think from a statewide scenario like that, that's the accountability right back to the people would make a difference. My last thing for you before we let you go, Ron, is uh, who, who who deserves the blame here? Uh, you know, the, the blame game is well underway in Austin right now. Uh, we've got elected leaders. Uh, we've got regulators. We've got producers. We've got uh, gas companies. Who deserves the, the, the majority of the blame for this, do you think? I don't, I don't think, Jason, that we know that yet. I think this after this first hearing, it's hard to tell what that is. Obviously, even among, I noticed that some of the big uh, generation companies, you know, admitted part of it was on them. And so I was glad to see them say that rather than be defensive. The ERCOT guy was a little more defensive than I would like for him to have been. And that will cost him in the long run. I can promise you that. What, what do you mean that'll cost him? Well, I, I believe that he'll have lost the confidence. Um, and I'm not sure that he can – He, I'm not sure that he'll be able to keep what he has. I mean, I don't know that for sure. I don't know Mr. Magnus. But 
he was uh, it's it, you, if you get defensive in front of a legislative committee you're probably going to lose because they always have the last say and they're the only ones that can push the green button hold up the one or the two and uh, so I think that's where we are you you think he might uh, losing the confidence of, of lawmakers I mean I'm reading between the lines here he may not be long for that job huh I don't know that for sure, because ultimately it's the people who control ERCOT, which are the the power companies and everything. But the power companies are sensitive to the legislature for sure. And the governor there. I mean, the governor uh, carries as much strength in this as anybody by being the executive agent and PUC being executive agency and ERCOT under them. Do you think that the governor uh, gets damaged by this at all or Senator Cruz? I mean, there's there's been backlash that goes all the way up the, the totem pole here. Oh, I think it'll be used politically, no question about it. But I think the governor um, has reacted as well as he can uh, based on what has happened. Could we have all known a little bit more? Maybe, you know, I mean, uh, did and again, you're not in the political world, but did the WFAA weatherman do all he or she could? I mean, pro- maybe, maybe not. You know, Pete will always tell you yes. Yes, I know. Pete will say, now, yeah, you know, right? politics, we're doing all we can here, Ron. So yes, I know. You are definitely doing all you can. But you see what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. we all could have done more. No, in fact, I told my wife, I went to my wife on Wednesday and said, I am sorry. I was, I am the. You know, I'm your husband. I should be helping provide and protect for you. And I was totally unprepared for this. I Mm. felt awful for that. So anyway, she said, get off your butt and get on your game. So next time I'm going to be ready. Is that why she threw you out of the house and you're down in San Antonio (laughs) with your son? That's exactly right. You're gone. And don't come back till spring. (laughs) I wish somebody would throw me out like that. I love San Antonio. (laughs) That's right. All right, we got Representative Ron Simmons here. Ron, th- thanks for uh, thanks for, for keeping us honest and reaching out, man. Oh, uh, you I did great. You, I hope you good. call or text or tweet anytime to us. And reminder uh, t- to make sure you fully understand former Representative Ron Simmons' uh, uh, conversation with us here. Make sure you listen to the last episode. Yeah. It's called The Bill That Died Before the Power Did. It's with uh, Ron's friend, Eric Johnson, former state representative himself, who's now the mayor of Dallas. Ron, good to see you again. Thanks for the time. Good to see you. Thank you all very much. Take care. Ron, thank you. Enjoy San Antonio. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jason. Bye.